0: Here we are, and it is Monday. Welcome in, everybody. We actually have to work a full week this week. How about that? Can you believe that? A full week. We haven't done that in like a couple weeks now. I was starting to get very spoiled. I was already spoiled. Now I'm really feeling spoiled. How we doing, Parker Thune? Everything good? Doing fantastic, Steely, and you know what the good news for you
1: is? You only got to do this for a few more years before you can work however many days a week you want.
0: Ah, well, we'll see about that. We will see about that, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Maybe I can make it five more years, but I'll tell you what I won't do. This slobbering old man act, I will not do, and I might be getting a little bit closer to that. So if they put me out to pasture before that, you know, probably deserve it. So hopefully not, though. All right, big news over the weekend. The Sooners did get their guy, Devon Mitchell. Here's how it went down on a Saturday.
2: For the next three to four years, I'll be taking my talent to the University of...
3: Oklahoma.
0: There you go. So the Sooners get their man. And now it feels like uh, Sooner fans are going to be happy for a while. Obviously, they still want David Stone. They still want Williams Winery. They'd like to get Terry Bussey, although it looks like he's going to a and They want to get Taylor Tatum. They want to get Caden Durham, Nigel Smith, Dominic McKinley. Some of the others still looming out there for Oklahoma. But that was a feel-good moment for the Sooners and a great get for OU. I hope we all just, I hope we can all be happy today. On the text line
1: and elsewhere, Steely, it's cause for celebration. The number one tight end in the nation in the 2025 class reclassifies and announces a pledge to Oklahoma on the same day. He's since been re-ranked. He checks in as the number four tight end in the country in the 2024 class. And, you know, that's always a good sign when a guy reclassifies, decides, you know what, I'm still going to – I'm just going to skip a year of high school. I'll start college a year early. And he's still – regarded as a top five player nationally at his position pitted against players who are in most cases at least a year older have more tape have more varsity experience in high school Devon Mitchell despite all of that is still regarded as a top five tight end in the country in the 2024 class highest ranked pledge to date for Oklahoma depending on which recruiting service you favor it's between him and Zion Kearney right now for that honor but Huge, huge addition for Oklahoma, and finally we start to see some tangible return, some very obvious tangible return from the Michael Hawkins pledge because he was instrumental in the Sooners' pursuit of Kearney, of Dozy, Ezekama, of uh, Ivan Carrion, of a couple others uh, that have since joined Oklahoma in this 2024 class. But I think for many Sooner fans, with the knowledge – that Hawkins and Mitchell had been high school teammates for a couple of years down at Allen. You figured that, you know, if Hawkins is the peer recruiter he's cracked up to be, this battle for Mitchell is one that Oklahoma's going to win. And they do, and they did.
0: Yeah, and uh, they win that battle over Miami and Alabama. Now, Mitchell, I believe, was born in the state of Alabama, was he, he not? He was. And then he moved to, to Texas, played obviously at Allen with Michael Hawkins. Then he went out to Los Alamitos and played uh, out in California. But it's a great get for Oklahoma. And, again, he's still a top 100 player, even after reclassifying. And uh, you would think he would still only move up the ranks. So, again, he looks to me more like maybe a Jermaine Gresham type when I'm thinking of former Sooner tight ends. I mean, he's got a he's got a pro body right now. He's got a lot of natural ability. Uh, this kid has a chance to be a superstar player for Oklahoma. There is no doubt about it. All right, so he was on – the Under the Visor podcast with you and Brandon Drum. You guys released that about uh, about an hour ago, I believe. And here's what he said about uh, his recruitment. He did say that Champion Barbecue was a big moment for him and his recruitments.
2: Uh, the, the Champion Barbecue, that was you know the greatest brand for me. Uh, you know, got to beat got to be a lot of um, great players. Uh, you know, even the recruits. You know, you know Oklahoma. You know, they treat everybody like family. So, you know, like you don't feel – like you won't ever feel left off over there or, you know, feel any type of way about yourself, you know, because it's kind of like a family thing, you know. Everybody treats you the same. And, you know, I mean, I got a chance to, um, you know, see everything. You know, the screen conditioning, talk to Coach Smitty. Uh, you know, got to talk to the whole coaching staff, so that was pretty um, good for me.
0: There you go, Devon Mitchell talking to Brandon and uh, Parker on the end of the uh, podcast which is uh, on YouTube right now. By the way, uh, the question now becomes how much momentum will the Sooners get out of this commitment from Devon Mitchell? You have Casey Poe coming up on Wednesday. You have Zion Ragan's announcement July 18th. You have Mike Patterson McDonald July 31st. Taylor Tatum is still out there. Caden Durham is out there. Obviously the big five star D lineman, David Stone, Will Winery, Nigel Smith. You've got Dominic McKinley, Jaden Jackson, Danny Okoye, Zena, Omozulu still looming out there. Uh, Grant Bricks is still out there on the offensive line. How much momentum could this, could some more dominoes fall with this announcement from Devon Mitchell over the weekend?
1: Now, I I would caution against seeing the Mitchell commitment as the one that's going to initiate the sequence when you're talking about the dominoes falling because – in all actuality, Steely, when you look at the board on the offensive side of the ball for Oklahoma, there's not that much left, right? Raggins commits next week. Feel good about where you stand with Taylor Tatum and Caden Durham. and At that point, it's all about closing on the offensive lineman. I think the guy, if you had to look across the whole board right now for Oklahoma and figure that, you know, there's one guy that might be swayed to Oklahoma a little bit more because of the Mitchell pledge, it's got to be Zena Mosulu because – He's played for multiple years down there at Allen High with both Mitchell and Hawkins. So now he's got two buddies, two friends of his, jumping on board at the University of Oklahoma. The relationship with Miguel Chavis is strong. So yeah, I think this strengthens Oklahoma's pitch to Zena Amozaloo, certainly. Does it mean that it's a shoe-in and you get the whole Allen trifecta? No, but Oklahoma's got as good a chance as anybody right now in that Amozaloo recruitment.
0: Interesting because when you're you're thinking about dominoes, one domino to fall that could set off you know that chain reaction. We've all seen the videos of one domino falls and then the whole thing goes. You know, uh, we've seen those crazy videos. That one big domino is David Stone. The problem is David Stone might just be the last domino, right? <laughs> you're hoping that's not a, not the case if you're an Oklahoma fan.
1: Ideally, you want to get Stone committed before the end of the month. Like, right. If you could get him committed before the party at the Palace and have him peer huge. recruiting on behalf of the Sooners with all the uncommitted guys that show up, yeah, that's big time.
3: Or if you could
0: get, uh, you know, williams Winnery committed earlier, August 1st. too. August 1st is what we're looking at August now. 1st. There you go. Well, most of these will be done, you would think, by hopefully David Stone doesn't go into, uh, you know, September, onto October or something like that. But who knows? A lot of these kids want to get it done before they really get started with their senior years, right? That's kind of the way it started to go. Not with everybody. And, again, when you're talking about a prime-time, big-time target like David Stone, it may take longer than that. But they would love to get him committed, obviously, by the end of the month. What are we thinking now, end of the month-wise? What would you set the over and under? You've got, again, Casey Poe on Wednesday. Uh, Zion Ragins next week. Michael Patterson-McDonald is coming down the, the road as well. Uh, by the end of July, Marcus Easley committed to Georgia, the offensive lineman, over the weekend. So, again, um, you know, everything looks good. This this looks a little bit like a Lincoln-Riley class, though, right now, does it not? When you have all those wide receivers, and they would still take Terry Bussey. Anybody would take Terry Bussey. But you've got a lot of skilled players. And, again, more than likely, not a done deal, but more than likely you're going to get you know, Taylor Tatum, and good possibility you're going to add Caden Durham as well. But defensive line is where Sooner fans really want to see them make a splash. And now, you know, the O-line. You have one kid committed, Isaiah Autry, who's a three-star out of the state of Mississippi. And we'll see what happens with guys like uh, Grant Bricks and others down the stretch.
1: Yeah, look, and I said it a bit earlier on, if you get Raggins on the 18th, Really, realistically, all you have to do is go one for two between Tatum and Durham, and I think Oklahoma's going to go two for two in those recruitments. But at that point, you're pretty much done on the offensive side of the ball for the 2024 class with the exception of the offensive line, and that's really where things have gotten a little bit cloudy as of late because Casey Poe's going to commit to Alabama on Wednesday. At least that's the way that things are looking. looks that way. Bennett Warren is no longer in the picture, and so Grant Bricks is the guy that the Sooners have placed the highest priority on. And they are pushing hard to bring in the small-town Iowa kid, the four-star offensive tackle, out of western Iowa. Eddie Pierre-Louis, yeah, Oklahoma's got a shot there. But you've seen some new offers go out in recent days. Josh Sosa up at Edmond Santa Fe picked mm-hmm. up an Oklahoma offer. Sorry. Daniel Akinkunmi. An international prospect from England, who's got a nice offer sheet in his own right, also picked up an Oklahoma offer earlier this morning. So there is a lot to be determined as it pertains to that group. In an ideal world, you get Bricks, you get Pierre-Louis, and then you can take three and be okay with it, I think, in this class. If you get a fourth, if you want to take a Sosa or Akankumi or somebody else to round things out, then great. But I, I have said it many a time, and I will continue to say it, I think Grant Bricks is the highest ceiling offensive line prospect in the entire country in this cycle. So if you get him from where I stand, Steely, and I'm not demanding that people agree with me, but from where I stand, if you get Grant Bricks, that is a successful class.
0: Yeah, no doubt. All right. uh, Yes, Captain Willard, I'm sorry I slipped. He says, holy, did Steely just speak the name of... And yes, yes, I did, by mistake. So that's that's the first of many mistakes that will be happening today. All right, we are here on a Monday. Great to have you with us. Mike Steely Parker Thune here, the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, hour number one, presented by our friends at Lasher. Home Comfort Systems, they are family-owned and operated. They've been in business now in the metro area for 16 solid years. Tim Lasher, great Sooner, great company. Call them up at 405 405- 3113 for all your heating and air needs. They'll get the job done for you. Let's get to the text line. Colin Cowherd was at it again as well. What do you expect? We've got that more coming up next here on the ref. All right. Tomorrow we're going to be out at the Sooner Summer Family Reunion Golf Tournament, which is benefiting the Ryan Minor. Family Ryan, of course, as uh, most of you know, contracted uh, cancer and is battling cancer. We're going to try and raise some money for Ryan Miner and his family, which is a great cause. And if you would like to uh, take part in this event, uh, last minute registration, you can send uh, a, a registration form. Uh, Ask for a request Larry J Phillips 18 at hotmail.com. That is Larry J Phillips 18 at hotmail.com. If you want to play, or Ryan's brother's uh, email, MinerDamon, D-A-M-O-N, at yahoo.com, MinerDamon at yahoo.com, to uh, take part in this benefit tournament. Lunch at 11 tomorrow at the Jimmy Shotgun start at 1230, trying to raise some money for Ryan Miner's uh, medical costs, which are pretty enormous, as you would imagine, when you're battling uh, stage 4 cancer. Great sooner, great dude. Let's help out the family. And uh, once again, we will be broadcasting live from the Jimmy to talk about that and cover that tomorrow. All right. um, Colin Cowherd at it again. What else is new? You know, he loves talking about Oklahoma. He, He says he doesn't have an agenda, but you know what? I think he might have an agenda. So this is what he said late Friday, talking about why Oklahoma was picked third in the preseason Big 12 media poll and how the Sooners could fool people this fall.
3: If you look at Oklahoma's schedule, I don't think I've ever seen a schedule for a national power this week. The Big 12's never been weaker. Got all these new members. They don't play K-State, Baylor, Texas Tech, and Texas is a neutral field. So what's going to happen is that Oklahoma is going to win a lot of close games because they just have far better players. They're going to win nine or 10 games. I mean, last year's the first losing record since '98. So Oklahoma just doesn't have losing seasons. That's just inexplicable. I don't care you lost Caleb Williams. You went and got a great quarterback out of the South. You got a great quarterback. Don't tell me about Caleb Williams left. You have a guy that's going to get drafted quarterbacking right now for your football team. This is wow. Already down to third. Again, I don't play favorites. I do not. And I know you think I'm anti Oklahoma. Been very. Pro-Kyler Murray for years. Loved Jalen Hurts. Loved Lincoln Riley. That's a problem. I'm not going to go into it anymore. I know digitally, anytime I say anything about Oklahoma, y'all tell me you hate me, and it gets like 8 billion views. So I'm not going to go on anymore. But that schedule is so bad, Brett Venables going to stumble into 11 wins. It's a terrible schedule. And then they're going to feel like, hey, we got our guy, and they're going to pivot right into the SEC.
0: There you go. Did he uh, pull a Sark there in calling Brett Venables? I think he did. I think he pulled a Sark there. Bottom line is this. We've talked about how easy the schedule is. And, again, you better go at least 9-3 and three with his schedule. 9-3 and three would be a huge disappointment with uh, this schedule that's laid out for Oklahoma this year. But his point is that, yeah, everybody's going to think everything's fixed and, you know, the car is running very smoothly now. The uh, the Sooner Mercedes is ready to go. No problems whatsoever. I think Oklahoma fans are a lot better brighter than that. Now, every fan base has their share of morons because fans are fanatical. But, what do you think of his take there? Basically saying, Brent, you know, he may not, we still don't know if Brent Vittables can coach. And, you know what? In that statement, we don't. We don't know that he's a great head coach or even a good head coach yet. But, I'm a believer. I still am and I may be made a fool. I, You know what? Everybody plays the fool sometimes, right? But, I don't know. It just seems like Colin Cowherd, this is a very squeaky microphone now. What, how do they make it so squeaky? <laughs> anyway, um, he knows he's going to get engagement. How many times, and again, look, I'm chumming the water here so the sooner sharks can start swimming and get on that tax line. So, you know, I'm the hypocrite here. But at the same time, how many of us we see some fool on social media who has hit a niche who doesn't know a damn thing, but knows exactly how to get engagement. We've got somebody out there that claims to be the biggest Big 12 expansion, Pac-12 expansion guy that's got all the sources, who I don't believe has hardly any sources. But he's got people believing him now, you know. And that's what Cowherd's looking for, just engagement, and he gets it. But, I don't know. What do you think about his theory here? Hey. Oklahoma fans, good. you know, you should win 11 games. You should have a great year. That doesn't mean you have your coach that you're looking for, even if you win a bunch of games this year. What do you think? Look, as with anything
1: Cowherd says, I think there is some merit hidden deep within the sentiment, but it's masked in a lot of what, what even is the proper word? Bloviation. First off, first off, I just want to point out, Colin. I did hear Colin Cowherd say Dylan Gabriel is going to get drafted.
0: Yeah, he so, did say that.
1: Hey, some love from some love for Dylan Gabriel. I don't hate that,
0: but he's also but, acting like it's not a big step down from Caleb Williams to Dylan Gabriel. And guess what? It's a couple steps down. Exactly. We know and that.
1: You know what? Even even Dylan Gabriel would acknowledge that. Right now, Caleb Williams is on another level. There is no quarterback in the country not Drake May, not anybody that can touch Caleb Williams in terms of what he's able to do on the football field from the quarterback position. So, no, you are not dealing with the same firepower under center as you were back in 2021, or as you are in some parallel universe here in 2023, some parallel universe in which Caleb Williams sticks around at the University of Oklahoma even after Mule Shoes' untimely departure. But I... I hear what he's saying about the ease of Oklahoma's schedule. And really, it's a sentiment that we have echoed for months now, Steelys, that the schedule sets itself up very well for Oklahoma to win double-digit games. I think if you win double-digit games this year, does it mean Brent Venables is the long-term answer? Not necessarily, and I'll acknowledge that. But it does objectively set you up very well for sec play because you transition to the sec with momentum you will likely have signed two top five recruiting classes in a row if current trends hold and at that point there is no objective reason to doubt that your program is in dire or even choppy straits now 2024 rolls around oh you to the sec they get punched in the mouth and go five and seven Maybe the the narrative turns on its head again. But as long as Oklahoma hits that double-digit win threshold in 2023, Steely, I think the vast majority of this fan base and the vast majority of the national pundits are going to regard that as a success and reason for optimism that Oklahoma can contend in the SEC when they arrive there in 2024.
0: It's all about getting that momentum, that positive feeling back. And here's the deal. You know, you've got to put – you can't change your schedule, man. You've got to play who's in front of you. All right? And the thing for Oklahoma is you want to see cleaner, crisper football, better execution, uh, you know, certainly a lot better play uh, in terms of getting lined up right in the defense, better tackling, all of that stuff. Sooner fans are smart enough to know when they see good football. And if they struggle somewhat and they win a lot of close games with this schedule, that's a good sign because you didn't win those close games a year ago. But you need to go out and look like the superior team in most of the games on this schedule. And I understand what he's saying here. You know, if you take a basic mathematics course and you ace that course, that doesn't mean you're ready for advanced calculus. You know, you you may not. Grasp that concept and be a good student when it comes to tougher material. So, yes, I understand that theory. But, you know, I still like what Brent is doing behind the scenes. I like the coaching staff. Uh, The on the field product last year was not good. You know, as a head coach right now, Brent's got about a C minus in my book. But it's very early on in this story. Well, and as Grillboy himself, Travis Davidson, points out on the
1: text line, I think it's a great point. You may not be able to tell if you've got your future with this year's schedule but you'll be able to tell if you don't.
0: Yeah, I agree with that statement. And again, all you can do is play the games they put on their schedule and look like a good football team. You know, don't bumble and stumble and fumble around and win, win a bunch of close games against teams you should be by a couple touchdowns. So we'll be able to see how much progress this team has made. Doesn't mean, again, that you're going to go into that schedule the next fall, um, you know, in the fall of 2024, and go out and, you know, win 10 games. But you've got to get confidence back, uh, you know, in your game day operation. Your, you know, Brent is a head coach, and you've just got a good feeling out there by winning football games. I think there's a pretty good feeling in the locker room considering they went six and seven a year ago. But that feeling's only going to get a lot better if you can go out there and win. Again, I think you've got to win 10 with the schedule. You've got to win 10.
1: Guy on the text line says, So no matter how successful you are this season, Brent doesn't get credit. Seems kind of unfair.
0: No, I don't think that's the case. But I'm just saying, you know, it it may not be the truest story out there. But, yeah, look, if they go out and win 10 games, absolutely. I'm going to say that Brent deserves a lot of credit. But I know what he's trying to say just because – You know, you win 10 or 11 and you're scheduled, you know, you're favored in 10 or 11 of those games. The only team I look at where they wouldn't be favored against would be Texas, right? Um, That's what he's saying. And And
1: there there will be people that push that narrative. If Oklahoma wins double-digit games in 2023, I assure you – and I, I, I'm not saying listen to these people. In fact, I'm saying quite the opposite. But I'm just saying there will be people that say, oh, it's all because of the schedule. I mean, Big 12 threw them a cupcake on their way out the door. Of course, they went and won double-digit games. There will be people who still maintain that Brent Venables is not the answer for this program heading into 2024, even if Oklahoma wins a bunch of football games this fall, because they will regard it as nothing more than the product of a cream puff schedule.
0: Yeah, they'll be, that sentiment will be out there, there's no doubt. And by the way, the uh, Colin Cowherd clip uh, was our ortho-central clip of the day. Clinics in Northern Midwest City and now the new Tri-City location serving the people of Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics do a great job treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. All right, let's come back. Let's get to your text. all right? Time to get to the Meyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We'll do that when we get back here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. We are back. Good to have you with us on a Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. If you were out at Beats and Bites 2023, you had a great time because uh, the music was great. They had a tremendous fireworks display. Got everything in. The weather got uh, a little upset, of course, once we jumped into early Sunday morning. But there was a great crowd out there. With all the great food trucks and all the great music with uh, Mark Chestnut, Tracy Byrd, and Shenandoah, and then a big-time fireworks show to follow. We still have one more Beats and Bites show coming up, and that'll be the music of Gary Allen coming up in August. Uh, that will be happening on August 26th. But the big news is new shows announced today for the Showplace Theater. We have new shows At the Showplace Theater that were announced by my man Colin over there at Riverwind this morning. Joe Nichols and uh, Tyler Farr will be at the Showplace Theater September 22nd. Flatland Cavalry will be at the Showplace November 10th. Also announced this morning. Uh, December 15th, Showplace Theater welcomes Lee Bryce. Lee Bryce coming back to the Showplace Theater December 15th. And Boys to Men will be there in January, January 12th. So, again, new shows announced today by our friends over at Riverwind. September 22nd, Joe Nichols and Tyler Farr. Then November 10th, Flatland Cavalry. We have Lee Bryce coming in December, December 15th, and Boys to Men, January 12th. Get your tickets online at Riverwind.com or at the Casino Box Office. We still have shows coming up, by the way. Uh, July 21st, still some tickets available for Collective Soul. Still tickets available for the uh, July 28th show with Josh Turner. We've got tickets available for Counting Crows August 25th. Uh, General admission seating there and uh, we also have limited tickets available for foreigner show coming up october 6th so a lot of new shows announced today just get online at riverwind.com to get your tickets and check out all these great shows at riverwind casino all right 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line let's get there right now let's do it Jimmy from BA says, we have to remember Brent was handed a very, very tough
1: situation after Tebow bailed on us. OU was scrambling to hold it together, and Brent has done, done a great job keeping us afloat. Cherokee Sooner says, the Doomers are dooming over not having anything to doom about today.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, I agree. Brent's situation was a lot tougher than we thought it was going to be, uh, mainly losing a superstar going to be the first guy picked in the draft quarterback who made so many things happen and saved football games for OU, you know, the previous year. So, yes, the roster, I wouldn't say was totally gutted, but there was definitely some issues with the roster a year ago. I think everything that has gone on outside of actual the games last fall has looked really good. Recruitings look good. I think that Brent's presenting a, a great image out there. I like his plan. I like all of that stuff. He's been very successful, and he's got a plan, and I think it's the right plan for the SEC. But you know, last year six and seven, you can't go six and seven at Oklahoma. Everybody knows that, as Bob Stoops would say. But this year again, with that schedule and an improved roster, Oklahoma maybe they'll be this. This fall's TCU of a year ago. You never know. We'll see.
1: From the 843 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 10 mostly convincing wins and a couple of close losses versus 10 barely held on wins and two beatdowns will have me feeling two different ways about heading to the SEC for sure.
0: Yeah, it's the way you go about uh, playing the game. suitor fans are smart enough. They know what good football looks like. They've been accustomed to good football for a long, long time. And if they struggle and win some games, you know, uh, where they have to eke out some victories against some of these lesser foes they'll face this year, then OU fans will recognize that. They'll also recognize if they're going out there and really taking care of business, as an Oklahoma football team should. And in the SEC, style points
1: do matter. So that's also a culture that you'd like to start building at Oklahoma before you get to the SEC in 2024. Because in the mule shoe era, Steely, as you recall – Oklahoma played a lot of close games that realistically should not have been that oh, close. Oh, yeah, and
0: they were always saved by a quarterback, it seemed like, by a great quarterback play somehow, right?
1: The, the ones I always go back to are 49-41 to in 2017 against a Baylor team that went 1-11 that year. And 2018, of course, legendarily poor defense all season for Oklahoma. But Kansas gave them a run for their money. In Norman, 55-40 to was the final score of that football game. And those just, I mean, two very glaring examples of a theme that played out repeatedly over the course of Muleshoe's tenure as head coach, which was that Oklahoma would play inferior opponents and allow them to hang around way longer than they realistically should have. And in the SEC, because it's such a deep, such a loaded league in terms of talent and in terms of depth, style points certainly come into play because... In the expanded playoff era, guess what? You're probably going to be splitting hairs at the end of the season between a couple 9-win SEC teams and maybe a 10- or 11-win team out of the Pac-12 and no doubt about the 3rd place, place team in the ACC. There's going to be a lot of dissension and a lot of debate over those 10, 11, 12 slots in the playoff field. And so if you have, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a marquee win, but say you have an 8-win Tennessee team, that you beat the brakes off, beat them by 35, 40 points. That's going to go a long way towards helping tip the scales for your resume versus some of the other teams that are likely to stack up alongside you in the playoff race because with the perception of the SEC, and well, and it's not really a perception, it's reality that the SEC is the most talented football league in the country, every single victory that you score over a winning team is going to carry some weight and it's going to carry even more weight if you win those games convincingly.
0: Yeah, and the reality is how many times during the Muleshoe era did you see Oklahoma bumble and stumble around a lot, maybe not look that inspired, certainly not tackle well, and you leave an inferior team with a chance to win a game? I mean, how many times did we see that his last year? Tulane, I mean, right there with a chance to win the game. Right off the bat, that Nebraska team they played wasn't very good, and that Nebraska team had a chance. In the SEC, you cannot do that. You've got to be able to lace them up and play really good football every week. Now, you'll get Vandy or somebody, okay, but, again, you you could do that in the Big 12 where you could come out and not play. You could bring your C game in the Big 12. A lot of times if you're Oklahoma and find a way to win the game. You cannot do that in the SEC, and that's why I think Brent and the way he goes about his business, if they get the right players in, and, again, they've done great in recruiting so far, Yes, they still have to close on some guys in this recruiting class. But if he gets the right talent in, like he did in last year's class, plugs them into this system, I think they're going to be good, particularly that you're going to a 12-team playoff, clearly. Ohio Sooner on the
1: text line says, the only logical response to what Cowherd is saying is, okay, and? Because while what he is saying isn't necessarily wrong, what should we as fans do about it? Yeah, I our mean, our marquee game of the season got canceled when we made the SEC move. Also, Georgia game. National media pushing the OU is in for a rude awakening narrative seem to think it's impossible for the program to get better between now and the 2024 season.
0: Yeah, and again, all you can do is play the games on your schedule, right? Uh, that's why what have we been saying why we think Oklahoma's gonna have a big turnaround season? The main thing we've been talking about is schedule. I do think the roster is improved particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Now, look, you lose Eric Gray, you lose Marvin Mims, you lose Braden Willis, you lose some really good offensive players plus your two tackles, Anton Harrison and uh, Juanye Morris. You know, Anton, high NFL draft pick, Juanye Morris, got good upside going to the NFL. So, again, a lot of this is going to be scheduled. I get that. But I think gaining confidence, it's the way that you play on those Saturdays. Just play good, solid football. And the teams you're supposed to beat by a couple touchdowns, beat them by a couple touchdowns. Don't let them linger around in hanging games. From a listener here in the 405, 2017, 2018, 2019,
1: 2021. If it wasn't for superior quarterback play, Oh, you would have gone six and seven in all of those seasons.
0: Yeah, well, I can't argue with that. I I, I mean, cannot argue with that one bit. Okay, all right. uh, We should take a break right here. We're going to do nothing but text in the next segment. You guys are doing a great job, as you always do, on the Kadippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 405 651 3439. I hope everybody had a great weekend. Let's get this uh, show kick started again with some more great text. By the way, Doug from Norman. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Doug, for sending me all the uh, the polls that you found in the preseason magazines and putting the consensus rankings together. Doug, super kind of you. I appreciate it, my man. Thank you. Coming right back here on The Ref. Yes, sir. Welcome back. Good to have you along on a Monday. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I just tweeted out a photo that I thought was great this weekend. Our man uh, – Douglas Miles tweeted it out, tweeted it out, tweeted it out, out. and uh, it's one of Bob Stoops as a player at Iowa, uh, coming back to the sidelines, getting a pat on the head from uh, Hayden Fry, the former legendary Iowa head coach, and it is just tremendous. I'd never seen that photo. Everybody's seen the one of Bob going airborne to try and tackle Billy Sims, which is an incredible pick in its own right. But this one was great. I, um, As a kid, I loved, you know, radio, and obviously I love sports. And back in the day, we had a, uh, you know, you could get WHO out of Des Moines in the evenings, and sometimes I would listen to Iowa football replays at night. They'd replay the Iowa game. So I would listen, you know, to some of the Iowa football games as I was falling asleep as a kid or something like that, you know, all the way up to when I was, you know, 18, 19 years old. And I can remember listening to uh, Rory Marble, Rory, Rory, not Rory McElroy Rory Marble uh, playing for the uh, Iowa basketball team with Dr. Tom Davis, would have been the coach back in the day, and listening on those uh to WHO Des Moines, too. So that was a, I don't know, that's just a great photo. If you haven't seen it, I just uh, put it out there. Uh, Douglas Miles uh, was the originator of this pick when I saw it. I thought, man, I have never seen that snapshot before. It is a great pick. Bob, I mean, looks so young, and Hayden Fry was an absolute legend. So check that out. All right, 405-651-3439. Meyer Chevrolet text line is ablaze again. Let's get there. From a listener up in Green Country in the 918, it brings me joy to know
1: mathematically slash odds-wise, Cowherd will be forced to talk about OU in the playoffs before
0: USC. Hmm, maybe. SC's schedule's more rugged this year. Okay,
1: take the the mule shoe hatred and the bias out of it for just a second. As hard as that may be for you, Steely, I want to know. I want to know. In your completely unbiased opinion, What do you think USC's playoff odds are this
0: season? I mean, they've got a shot, tougher road than a year ago. But uh, do I think they can get – yes, Caleb Williams uh, is good enough to get them there. Do I think they'll get there? I think they'll probably just miss out. I certainly don't think they're going to the national championship, but certainly their odds are better than Oklahoma's, clearly. Uh, and again, with that schedule, Oklahoma, if they if they really play really good football and improve in a lot of areas, then they have it. They have a shot, and it's mainly due to the schedule. But I do think again that clearly uh, USC, any team with Caleb Williams and some decent talent around him, they've got to play better defense and get more physical. That's always going to be the uh, question mark with a mule shoe Alex Grinch uh, defense. But you know. I don't know. What do you think? Clearly they're better than OU's. I mean, obviously.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if you've paid attention to the moves that USC has made this offseason, it's pretty clear what Muleshoe's thought process and what his angle with all this is. It's, we need to go to the playoffs this year because we got one more year of Caleb, and there's nobody like Caleb on this planet. So, Muleshoe has kind of pushed all his chips to the middle with how he's attacked the transfer portal and how he's tried to bolster that USC roster. They're going to try. Like, they're going to make every effort to get to the playoff. Well, and that's kind of an obvious statement because obviously everybody's making every effort to get to the playoff. But what I'm saying is it almost feels like Shoe senses, it. almost like he feels a little bit of extra heat to try and get it done this year because I think he knows as well as anyone that
0: once Caleb Williams is out the door, your job gets a lot harder. No doubt. And, look, Malachi Nelson, very highly recruited, no doubt. But the second half of that SC schedule is very tough. They have to go to South Bend. They have uh, Kyle Whittingham and the Utes, our favorite team in the Pac-12 again. They get him at the Coliseum. Uh, they have to play Washington at home. They have to go to Eugene to play Oregon this year. They have UCLA again to close out the season and then a potential Pac-12 championship game. So, I don't know. I think they'll just miss out. But the X factor clearly is number 13, always. I mean, think about it. USC
2: was
1: one game away from the playoff mm-hmm. a year ago. Yeah. One game. Yeah. It was Kyle Whittingham, Cam Rising, OFU that kept him out of the playoff field.
0: What are we so doing if we sent uh, Kyle Whittingham some kind of uh, present? basket? From the, uh, yes, uh, yeah, maybe an edible arrangement or something. I don't know. He's a meat eater, you would think, though. He wouldn't want that. Uh, maybe we need to send him some Omaha steaks or something. For what Mm. he did last year. Mm. Two victories and, of course, Tulane as well. My my
1: belief is that USC, similar to last season, wins a lot of regular season games and doesn't quite get to the playoff. Because there's going to be one loss somewhere along the line in the regular season, and I don't think they have what it takes to get over the hump and win a Pac-12 championship. And to be honest, Steely, even if they were to win the Pac-12 championship as a one-loss football team, are you automatically into the playoff in that circumstance?
0: No, and, and, I look in, and uh, I'm looking at a loss at South Bend, and I'm look looking at a loss at Eugene. So I've got him losing, too, um, when you look at that schedule. But, again, Caleb Williams has the opportunity to win any game he plays in, even with sure. the, even with an average defense.
1: That's all fine and well. But you also got to play defense. And USC struggled to do that at times last year. And, sure, there's a bit more talent on that side of the ball this coming fall than there was last year. The addition of Bear Alexander is undeniably huge, both literally and metaphorically. Mm -hmm. It's still Alex Grinch, though. It's still Speed D. It's still Benny Wiley and the kettlebells. To me, Steely, USC as a program hit that ceiling last year. That's always going to be the ceiling for that program. Let's hope the so. Precipice I couldn't of take, playoff. I bird.
0: could not take a Mule Shoe championship. I mean, a national championship. I couldn't deal with it. I would be in a psychiatric ward. There is no doubt. Like Anthony Bates at the end of uh, Psycho. You know, Anthony Perkins at the end of Psycho. Um, I would be in a straitjacket. There is no doubt about it. All right. So, uh, once again, we've got Jesse Crittenden. During our second hour on a Monday, 135, we'll talk what else Sooner Football. Big Twelve Media Days coming up. And I want to talk to you about Big Twelve Media Days when we get back. Brent and the Sooners. Brent will be on the mic at eleven fifty on Thursday. Dylan Gabriel, Jonah Laulu, Brake Stoops, and Danny Stutzman will be there breakout session with Brent and the players coming up Thursday from 1 to 2. Oklahoma State will be there on Wednesday. We'll talk Big 12 Media Day. More of your text on the way. Keep it right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Oh, yeah, we're talking all right. We're talking here. And we will be talking to the one, the only, Jesse Crittenden, OU Insider, coming up at 135 on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Looking forward to that conversation. Jesse knows his stuff. You know what? I, I also believed. Are believe, uh, have you worked out the deal where we're getting 3% of Jesse's uh, future income for creating his superstardom? Haven't quite managed
1: to broker that yet. It's in the process. Maybe we can finalize the details today when he's on the air.
0: I think we should do that. We should at least get 2%, right? I mean, the man's going to be a multimillionaire a a bunch of times over down the road. So this is how I plan my retirement off somebody else's wealth. So I'm hoping that uh, superstardom happens in the next five years. It's basically a recruiting service type of deal, right? Yeah, absolutely. You're recruiting
1: the next generation of media talents and capitalizing on their successes. You're an agent,
0: See, I just don't want to retire comfortably. I want to retire really comfortably. You know what I'm saying? Retire luxuriously. Yes. You know, Robin Williams or Robin Leach, retirement. Champagne wishes and caviar dreams. Right now, I, I could afford neither. So I'm looking to get involved in some kind of Ponzi scheme or something. If anybody has one they want to offer me, let me know on the text line. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, looking at USC's schedule, which I can see very clearly, and it is very difficult in the second half of the schedule. And I can see clearly because I know a guy that you should know. If you have problems, either you're nearsighted or far-sighted, you want to get rid of the reading glasses, you don't want to keep looking at uh, your phone, and again, you've got the giant King Kong-sized text font, the largest one that you could possibly have, you don't want to do that. You need to give my guy, Dr. Bellardo, a call at the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. Known him for years. The staff over there, they're big time. They make it super comfortable when you go in. And if you have issues, again, seeing clearly, far farsighted, nearsighted, whatever it may be, they will give you a free consultation, 405-755-7700, for your free consultation from Dr. Bellardo and his team. Or you can go online to ALCOK.com. Like they always say there, if you want to see far and you want to see near, you have to come here to the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. Again, Dr. B and the team over there, they have been the leaders in vision correction in the Oklahoma City area for over 20 years now. Online at ALCOK.com or call them up, 405-755-7700. Okay, um, media days coming up for Oklahoma on Thursday. Gets underway on Wednesday. I think Texas is Wednesday, too. Oklahoma State's on Wednesday. Brent, again, will be on the uh, the podium at 11.50 on Thursday. And then uh, the breakout session with the players that are going to be there uh, with Brent will be happening from one to two, and that includes Dylan Gabriel, Jonah La- Lulu, uh, Drake Stoops, and Danny Stutzman. All right, Parker, you're going to be there. I will. What would be the one question – You would really want to ask Brent Venables, you know, when they call on you, if they call on you. What would be the one question you really want to hear him answer? Man,
1: how about this one? Because I'd love to hear Brent take this whatever direction he would like to take it and expound upon it in whatever manner he feels comfortable doing. Hang
0: on. Let me write it down because I will flip over the card. We're playing like the newlywed game here. Okay. Okay. All right.
1: How much better do you feel about your team this July than you did last July? Okay. That's it. That's your question. That's the question. Open ended one. Brent has the chance to pontificate as he desires and get into detail on what makes this twenty twenty three team different, at least preseason, than the team that went six and seven in twenty twenty two. Okay. So I think a lot of Sooner fans will want to hear the answer to that question, mm-hmm. right? Because at this time last year, we all figured, okay, like Oklahoma's probably not going undefeated in 2022, but they still should win a great deal of their football games. Needless to say, that didn't happen. So if Brent could pull back the veil, as it were, on his preseason opinions of his 2022 team and how much more confidence, if any, and hopefully there is, how much more confidence he has in this 2023 team versus the team he had last year? That'll give this fan base a lot of reason for optimism, I would think, that
0: things are gonna get better in year two. Okay. So that's your question. We didn't question my I'm turning over the card, and what does it say? Turnip seed. <laughs> that's simple, huh? I want to
1: know. Brent, 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 Mike, Brent, Mike Steely, yeah. KRF Sports. Um, you, you brought um, it turnip in
0: that seed? Turnip Seed. He was your right hand man, and now he's not at Oklahoma. Care to expand on or expound on what happened there and how that potentially affects you know the Sooners in their transition to the SEC? Probably won't answer it. Would be my guess, or it might dance around it a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What do you hear on that? By the way, are you hearing you hear so many different stories? Well, he was rude to other, uh, you know, uh, employees over there and walked around like he owned the place. Or you also hear, um, you know, that, um, well, you know, he wasn't getting what he was hoping for. His vision was different than what the administration had in their sights. And that's why it didn't work out. So, anyway. Brian in Tulsa doesn't agree with my question. He says, what? But that to me, I don't know, that to me is a question that is none of us expected all of a sudden that day to see, yeah, Thad seeds no longer at OU. Because he was kind of like the guy, you know, leading that transition to the SEC off the field, making sure everybody knew what it was going to take for the Sooners to be able to go toe-to-toe facilities-wise and what they needed off the field in terms of really, you know, battling the Bammons and the Georgias in the Southeastern Conference.
1: Yeah, and look, I, is Thad Turnipseed's departure an enormous red flag as to the future of the OU football program? I don't know if I would go that far, but we talked about it at the time. right? I think undeniably what you can say about Turnipseed's departure is that it's a sign that something went wrong. Whether it was minute or whether it was substantial, that was unplanned. Yeah. Thad turnipseed probably did not by design spend a year and a half at Oklahoma only to leave at the end of June and get out of his contract six months early. That's not how you draw something like
0: that. Well, and the first thought was, Well, he did his job already. What you know, he misses his family, and then you talk to other people now, you know, you've got one side that says, Well, he was mad because he thought he was he wanted stuff and was trying to tell people what they really needed and wasn't getting a lot of positive feedback at some point. And then you have I've got people telling me, well, you know what? He walked around like he owned the place and he was rude to people. And um, who knows? The truth is always somewhere in the middle. Exactly. Usually, um, that's usually the way it works out. But I want to know what you guys would ask. You know. Dee in Choctaw says, Gabe said, I didn't get a chance to listen to the Oklahoma breakdown today. But Gabe uh, said he heard the facilities are current, currently taking a backseat to NIL, uh, which led to Thad to feel unneeded. I could see that being, you know, you only have so much money. You only have so much. And they've raised, you know, they're they're working on, they've got the $175 million football facility, which is happening. You know, they're trying to raise more money, but i tell you what, Parker, you know, and OU's always had, you know, a pretty good based on, you know, uh, their enrollment and the population of the state. They've got people, alums with a lot of money out there. Okay, well, how how about this? Let me, if that's
1: indeed the case, and Gabe Eichert is someone who would have a good pulse on what's going on within the No doubt. Let me just pose this question. Let's take a poll on the Meyer Chevrolet text line. Would you rather have... David Stone, Williams-Noineri, and Taylor Tatum? Or, or would you rather have football facility upgrades ASAP? You tell me. i take the players. Really? Oh, yeah. And I'm, listen, I'm not saying there's a right answer or a wrong answer. I'm just curious. What would people rather have? Would you rather have a top three recruiting class in 2024? Or would you rather have your facilities completely facelifted and upgraded at the earliest possible timeline?
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that's that's probably accurate. Gabe's got a lot of good sources. I didn't have a chance to uh, normally I'd try and get that in on Mondays, but I ran out of time this morning. But that makes sense. Like I said, as much wealth as the, uh, as the Sooners have out there around the country, and I'm not saying they have the most of any school out there, but they've got, they've they do pretty well in that department, but there's only so much, you you know, Wallace Marsh can't give $2 million every year or whatever. Maybe he can, I don't know, Wallace, you tell me, but I'm just saying, you know, even if you have immense wealth, you probably just can't keep writing checks all the time. So there's only so much to go around. So, and I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the fans out there, if you ask them, Players or facilities right now, they would say players. 90% of them, if not more. Big Rich and OKC said, give all
1: $175 million to defensive line recruits.
2: <laughs> Maybe. And it's
1: pretty much been unanimous on yeah. the text line. I hear you. You know, you would rather want the elite recruits.
0: Do, 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 do. Okay.
1: Nope, while Steely's brain is starting back up.
0: Yeah, you know I mean? d- these, <laughs> these texts are flying in so quickly. My brain is kind of on dialogue. There was today. there
1: was one listener that said upgrades first. No one wants to stay at Motel Six when you can build a <laughs> holiday Inn express. But the overwhelming majority of text line
0: denizens
1: have oh, said, We man. want the players. We want the five star recruits. We want the Stones and Wineries
0: and Taylor. Well, their thought is the you're gonna get a lot more of those once you get the facilities too. Uh, from the 580, the players can't pamper their fat little girlfriends with football facilities. Ah, we get a little Mike Leachism right there. Rest in peace, Mike Leach. Okay, let's break right here. When we come back, we'll take more of your texts. We do have Jesse Crittenden on the way again at 135, Riverwind Casino Hotline. And uh, again, I don't know, man, it takes so much money in this day and age. You and I know that, and insurance going up, and groceries going up. Imagine trying to buy players, too, and build facilities. Are we on the road to ruining college football? Hopefully not. Stay with us. Coming right back here on The Ref. All right, it is Monday. Welcome back. Good to have you along. 405 651 39, Ken Epelmeier, Chevrolet text line. You know, it was weird. In a, a previous segment, my brain wouldn't let me say Rory, Roy. I think I was stuck on Rory McElroy for so long that the old man's brain, which is deteriorating every day, it wouldn't let me say Roy, as in I was trying to talk about Roy Marble, the former Iowa basketball player, because I tweeted out Douglas Miles, one of our big listeners, great dude, uh, tweeted out a picture of a young Bob Stoops after having made a big play at the University of Iowa, and Bob Stoops is coming back to the sidelines and the legendary former Iowa coach, Hayden Fry gives him a pat on the head, Bob's got a big smile. It's a great picture. If you haven't seen it, check it out. I just tweeted it out about uh, 30 minutes ago or so, uh, at Steely on Sports. Anyway, so I was thinking about as a kid, I used to listen to W.H.O. in Des Moines late at night. They would replay the football game from earlier in the day or they would play a basketball game. And you could get it clear as a bell Had a great signal. And I remember listening to, you know, some of those Iowa football teams. I remember listening to the Iowa basketball teams with. When Roy Marble was there. See, my brain still wants me to say Roy. This is the sign right here, Parker. This is not good. This means peaches and tapioca pudding are on the way. Roy Marble. Okay, thank you. Very strange. This old stuff's not fun. I'm just telling you. Not fun. Okay, 405-651-3439. But it's a great picture. I'd never seen that one. Everybody, I think, had seen the uh, Bob Stoops, or has seen the Bob Stoops Airborne pick when Iowa played the Sooners at Owen Field back in the day trying to tackle Billy Sims, which is a great pick. But this one, this one is just as good, in my opinion. It's it's really cool. Okay, uh, 405-651-3439, Meyer Chevrolet text line. Parker, five-star Randy says, with regard to facilities versus
1: NIL and how – the program allocates spending accordingly. Five-star Randy says if the food is good, who cares about how fancy the restaurant is. So, that's another
0: vote for NIL over facilities. I would uh, say if you put a poll out there like on Twitter, NIL or facilities, NIL would get at least 90%. Probably so.
1: You think I mean so? it's it's polling at at least 90% on the Meyer Chevrolet text line right now. Dean Choctaw says reverse field of dreams. <laughs> if they come, you will build it. <laughs> I like that That's the leader in the clubhouse. Jimmy from B.A. Take the players, get a few top recruiting classes, and then start on facilities.
0: Guess what? The players on the field decide the games more than any other entity. Great coaches, yes. Isn't it amazing, though, how just about every great or considered even legendary coach always has really good players? Now, they coach him up, too. I get that. But you look back, you know, legendary college football coaches, Barry Switzer, really good coach, great offensive mind, good leader of men, players still swear by him, great charismatic personality. You wanted to play for Barry Switzer. You wanted to play for Barry Switzer. But he also had a roster that was better than most everybody in the country year in, year out. And then he ran into one that got a little bit better. Miami Hurricanes back in the day. Um, you know, and they had the speed and the finesse, you know, in their linebacking crew, and they had enough muscle up front to, uh, to slow down the wishbone. A lot of teams couldn't do that. Miami could. But I, I just think, again, the players are it. Everybody knows that. Okay, 405-651-3439.
1: Brazilian Sooner says players 100% need them now, but facilities can be built over time. From the 918, players bring success, and success brings more players. A listener in the 402 said Gabe and Teddy both said it means more to get the players and win, then money will come in to fix itself. Players coming are more concerned with NIL than if they have the top facilities.
0: I agree with that, and who am I to argue with those two guys? They've been there, done that, So, but I, that sounds right to me. And again, it's not like OU's facilities right now are just so outdated and horrible. I mean, it's still pretty nice over there, right? So, would you rather have a water slide an indoor water slide or Williams Winery? Which one? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Jason
1: Zandamella, who obviously ended up committing to USC and Mule Shoe in the end, but freaking no,
0: Mule Shoe. What, what the
1: Okay. Four-star offensive line prospect in the 2024 class and one of the things he said about Oklahoma was that Oklahoma had by far the best facilities of any school he'd been to. Yeah. And so, it, I look I I feel as though Is there room for facility upgrades? Yes, if you've seen the mock-ups, obviously what Oklahoma has in mind long-term for those upgrades is remarkable. And it's state-of-the-art, and it's revolutionary. But the status quo right now at Oklahoma, as far as facilities, is perfectly good enough. Your facilities are not in disrepair.
0: And so, if you have no, it's not functional- like a trailer park over there, like it had been at the time when Bob Stoops was there at first, right? Exactly. I mean, it's those facilities. They may not be the Taj Mahal, but guess what? They're pretty darn good. Uh, I would say they stack up with you know, maybe they're not absolute top tier, but they're not far below it. Would be my guess.
1: If you have if you have solidly upper echelon facilities, then yes, I would say it especially makes sense to take whatever funds you have allocated and direct them primarily at NIL offerings for top targets because there are some battles these days that you're just going to have to win that way you're going to have to be willing to pay you're going to have to be willing to fork over the cash
0: last prime example DJ Hicks if Oklahoma had have gone more into the NIL route and they had some NIL money clearly but based on what You think happened in that situation. A&M won the financial battle.
1: Another great point. Let's get that SEC money rolling in before we start on new facilities. I like that, yeah. And if you've paid attention to the numbers and how much more of a revenue share Oklahoma's going to get in the SEC than they did in the Big 12, it stands to reason that Oklahoma's actual real-time spending capacity to fund upgrades five years down the road is going to drastically exceed what they have right now. So yes, if you want to be playing top line football and contending in the SEC, you're going to need the dudes to do it. And you can get the dudes on your roster a whole lot more expediently than you can get facilities built. So stack the money for a couple years in the SEC. Put a nice little nest egg away. Have some dough set aside that you can commit to facilities down the line and make sure in the here and now that you are building a roster and more specifically building a defense that's going to enable you to go toe-to-toe with Alabama and Georgia and LSU and Tennessee and Florida and the like.
0: Yep. I mean, you got to play that game. You've got to play that game. And I'm not saying you build your entire culture around NIL. You can't do that. But you also have to be able to play the game. And if you want to get a lot of these five-star studs, guess what? It's going to take a lot of NIL. A lot of NIL. So what would you say the going rate for Winery and David Stone would be? I'll keep it broad. Seven figures. Okay. Well into seven figures. Golly, that's crazy, is it not? I mean, think about if we were having this discussion – Three or four years ago, even. Yeah, guess what? Well, they got a great chance of well, them. As long as they can come up with a million, you know. We thought it was a big deal when somebody was driving around campus with a new Trans Am. Pennies back then. Pennies. You want me to go start yelling at a cloud because I'm, I'm thinking it's the ruination of college football? Down the word. Down the road, it will be, we'll be thinking, what in the hell were we thinking? You'll probably have, you know, some super sophisticated computer graphic of each player once they carry the ball or catch the ball, there'll be that little bubble that pops up how much money they're making on the season. You know, NIL money per reception, that kind of thing. It's happening.
1: From the 405, funny how a couple of weeks ago everyone was crying about how OU wasn't ready facility-wise to compete in the SEC. Now all of a sudden we're good and we just need players. Is that something people were crying about? I mean, they got excited
0: about new facilities. Yeah, as you do. But, uh, I don't know. I, I do think that the OU fans are so frustrated so frustrated at not getting these top-flight five-star defensive linemen. And they did get P.J., edge guy, but not getting a D.J. Hicks. um, You know, and this year wanting to get, you know, both Will Winery and clearly uh, David Stone um, because they feel that is the final piece of the puzzle. And that's where the frustration comes in. Okay, we got a break right now. 405-651-3439 on the kadipa Maya Chevrolet text line. Uh 405-651-3439. Toothman, did you put your email on there? Do you not have Twitter? Is that why you need the Bob Stoops picks sent to you? Can you send me the picks? Okay, if you give me your email, let Parker know or whatever. I will uh, we'll try and get those two picks to you. All right, stay with us coming back. Jesse Crittenden joining us next on the Riverwind Casino Hotline right here on The Ref. We have Jesse Crittenden. And he is joining us right now on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, 405-329-9000. OU Insider does a great job. And Jesse, Big 12 Media Days for the Sooners are Thursday with Brent's uh, up at the podium around and in the breakout session with Brent and the players from one to two on Thursday. Okay, you're called upon first, Jesse Critton at OU Insider. You get the first question with Brent. What do you want to have Brent answer? What would your question be?
2: You know, that's that's the tough one. Do you do you wanna go with, you know, the 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 really serious, you know, really well thought out, you know, well intentioned analytical question? Or do you want to go with the hot take? And I think I'd have to lean towards the lighter and ask him if he can guarantee a national championship this year. That's the question I'd have to
0: ask. You're talking about softening him up to make him answer uh, in, in relaxing fashion the rest of the way. <laughs> Sometimes that's a good route to go when you're interviewing somebody. You don't want to go right for the uh, you know, the, the chokehold. You know. But uh, do you think clearly he's going to be asked about the thad seed deal? Based on what you've heard, what do you think happened there?
2: Yeah, that's it's not only interesting how all that happened, but I think it's going to be interesting, uh, you know, what he said, if anything, about all of that. I mean, he was he was pretty luck, reluctant uh, to answer much, uh, with, you know, with the Kel Gundy situation about a year ago. I mean, he you know, at that press conference right after, he you know, he kind of shut down any potential questioning uh, before the questioning began. So I'm curious what route he's going to take here. And part of the reason why I I look back to that Kel Gundy situation is because I think, I mean, it's not a one-for-one comparison, but I do think there are um, some similarities here in terms of, you know, this was kind of out of left field. It's, you know, it's it's happening or it happened uh, with, you know, the season kind of on the horizon. And I think in some regards, you know, I think there's still some things to figure out, but uh, I think the rumblings have continued to be that that you know Thad Turnipseed came in and Brent, and Brent Venables brought him in because he's a go getter. He is he is one that does not lack for for focus and intensity and a, and a drive to get things done. And you know I think there were times where that was difficult. Uh, you know it's it, it was difficult for maybe others in the administration to mesh with that kind of style. Um, but I mean I think the the reality is there's. Uh, You know, it is a pretty surprising thing to happen, especially with the season on the horizon and not to mention with with, you know, the SEC move coming in a year with the new football facility coming pretty shortly. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see what, if anything, Brent has to say, you know, with this being his first time speaking since that happened.
1: Jesse, obviously, Brent Venables and the Oklahoma player representatives don't take the podium until day two. What are you most looking forward to about day one? at Big Twelve Media Days, especially with some of the new blood in the conference arriving for their first crack at Arlington.
2: Yeah, I honestly think this is gonna be I mean, this is my third Big Twelve Media Days, and I think this is the one I'm I'm most excited for and particularly particularly I'm most excited for some of the stuff outside of OU and yeah, I think that first day is gonna be really exciting. You've got Houston and BYU as as the you know two new teams that are gonna be speaking that day. Really going to be interested to see what Dana Holgerson uh, has to say, you know, on Houston's behalf. I think Kansas is going to be really interesting. Obviously, they, you know, they had a tough end to last season, but Kansas, that was still a step forward for them. I think it's going to be interesting to hear what Lance Leopold has to say. You know, they've got Jalen Daniels coming back. Uh, you know, they've got Kenny Logan on the defensive side coming back. I think that's going to be interesting. But, you know, obviously Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy. But I think the most interesting thing for me is going to be here is going to be listening to Texas on wednesday uh, and particularly steve sarkeesian i think there's just so many interesting things with that texas program right now i mean obviously they were number one in the preseason poll that came out late last week they've got so many guys returning they've got a top recruiting class uh, joining the fold this year i think the reality is that there's no excuses for texas this year and it's it sounds like a broken record at this point uh you know the, they're they're the poster child for a team that has high expectations and, and can't fulfill them but I don't think there's any reason for Texas not to contend for a Big 12 title this year. So I'm I'm curious to see what Steve Sarkeesian says if he if he alludes there you know to a feeling of pressure within the program and you know obviously Quinn Ewers is going to be there too. I'm curious if if there's going to be anything that's talked about you know with with Q, with Quinn Ewers and and uh, and obviously Arch Manning joining the fold. So I think it's going to be. I mean I think Texas is going to be. You know, what, uh, probably the most interesting thing to hear on Wednesday.
0: One of the angles you hear, I want to go back to the turnip seed situation uh, again, is that maybe there's a more of a priority right now on NIL money than facilities money, even though they're still going to build the facility. And we know they're raising $175 million dollars. But um, what do you think about, we've had a debate, you know, and it seems like the listeners are saying about 9 to 1, 90 percent, that they think NIL is more important than facilities right now. What's your take? Yeah, that's
2: that's uh, that's interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, because I think, and I think what, what makes this interesting is you can't just, I mean, OU is not a normal program, right? Not only just in terms of uh, you know how how you know successful the football program has been you know for decades and decades. But also with the SEC move coming, I think it puts that discussion into a whole whole new thing. I mean, it's not it's not you can't really just think about it in terms of what's more important. You've also got to think about it in terms of what is going to be most beneficial for the SEC move that is going to be happening in less than a year. So I think in that instance, it's hard to pick one or the other. But I mean, and, and but I, I mean, and I think NIL is is going to play an incredibly important part in OU's chances to be successful in the SEC. But I mean, I think it's hard, it's hard not to put the value on a new football facility, a new state-of-the-art football facility that can compete with the top programs in the SEC, with with Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee and LSU. And so I mean again, I, I don't know. I think it's hard to say, but I mean I think for me, you know, it's not that it's not that the facilities at OU right now are are necessarily subpar, but I think there is certainly a need and Brent has talked about it to with the SEC move coming, I think there is a, a desperate need to upgrade the facilities. But I think ultimately it's almost not going to be an either or. I think it's going to have to be an incredibly difficult task to somehow balance and prioritize both of those things evenly. So I think it's going to be interesting to see not only what happens in the wake of that Turner of seat departure, how do they fill that role, when do they fill it, but also when that happens, are we going to be able to tell what the priorities are once that happens? I want
1: to resurrect a conversation that we had in the first hour of the show, Jesse, and get your thoughts on it. Because obviously uh, I'm sure it's come to your attention already, but Cullen Cowherd decided to talk about Oklahoma again because I guess he needed some interaction from the Sooner fan base. Is As you look ahead to this 2023 campaign for Oklahoma, the schedule, as we have talked about repeatedly, is quite easy for the Sooners. So let's say the Sooners rip off 10, 11, even 12 wins. Do you think if that happens, in a world where Oklahoma does have an exceedingly successful 2023 season, is Brent Venables going to get the credit that he's due for helping to orchestrate that turnaround? Or... Are many going to write it off as simply a byproduct of a cupcake schedule in Oklahoma's final year in the Big Twelve?
2: That's I get that's a, that's really an interesting question, and I think it's again interesting in the context of what happened last year and all of you know the, the the significant changes that has happened obviously on this OU coaching staff in the last two years. I think I mean I think Brent, if that happens. I think, you know, if OU, you know, finishes with a 10 or 11 win season, particularly in the regular season, they make the Big 12 title game. If they win the Big 12, then, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, I I mean, I I would be shocked if Brent Venables doesn't, you know, and that coaching staff doesn't get uh, a lot of credit considering how disappointing last season was. And that, you know, I think Brent Venables did receive some criticism um, for OU disappointing last season. But I think the main thing in terms of, Uh, what needs to happen not only for OU to have a successful season but for Brent Venables to get the bulk of the or to get a lot of the credit I think it's all going to stem on the defensive side I think if if, you know if we get to the end of this season and it's clear that the defensive jump from last year to this year was significant and that this OU defense really resembles you know a Brent Venables type of defense that's aggressive and and suffocating and and good in all phases of the game, I think that's going to be the thing that gets Brent Venables the most credit. So, I, and you know, in terms of the easiness of the schedule, I, I'm always hesitant to use that too much either way to credit or disc, or discredit um, a program. OU ultimately can't, I mean, outside of the non-conference schedule, OU can't pick It's its – it's conference scheduled. They were supposed to play Georgia this season um, in the non-conference, and obviously all of that's had to change. So all of that being said, I, I don't know if you can credit the I, – I mean, I, there's a lot of football to be played, but I, I'm not going to put anything on the schedule. I'm looking at can you see uh, big positive changes from last year to this year, particularly defensively, because if you do, I think you can give that credit to Brent Venables and not. And I, I do not – I don't need to worry about – whether the schedule is too easy or anything like that. that's Colin Coward has figured out that poking at OU fans is an easy way to get engagement. So, you know, I'm not going to put too much stock into that.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Hey, Jesse, thanks. Good stuff. We'll talk to you next Monday. And uh, I'm sure we may hear from you uh, as well uh, from Big 12 Media Days.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
0: Jesse Crittenden joining us, uh, OUinsider.com. uh, by the way, announcement today, ladies and gentlemen, from our friends over at Riverwind Casino right before we go into a break. We told you uh, this past weekend they had another great Beats and bite show out there. Tons of people out there got to hear the music of uh, Mark Chestnuts. Uh, also, Tracy Bird in Shenandoah outdoors. Pretty uh, pretty comfortable weather out there and a big time World-class Hall of Fame fireworks display afterwards. It was a great time. All the best local food trucks out there with some great music. We have one more Beats and Bites show coming up presented by Coop Aleworks August 26th, and that'll be the music of Gary Allen. But we have new shows at the Showplace Theater announced today by the folks over at Riverwind. Our man Colin told us they were coming Monday, and here they are. Joe Nichols and Tyler Farr on the Showplace Theater stage September 22nd. Tickets available now at Riverwind.com. And you can get them at the box office right there outside the Showplace Theater. Joe Nichols and Tyler Farr, September 22nd. Flatland Cavalry, November 10th at the Showplace Theater. Brand new show released today. Lee Bryce, December 15th at the Showplace Theater. December 15th for Lee Bryce and Boys. Men, a little Cooley High Harmony, January 12th on the Showplace Theater stage. New shows again announced today, Joe Nichols and Tyler Farr, September 22nd, Flatland Cavalry, November 10th. You have Lee Bryce on the uh, stage at the Showplace Theater, December 15th, and Boys to Men on January 12th. So uh, get those tickets. They're available now. Uh, online, riverwind.com, or at the casino box office outside the Showplace Theater. And, by the way, still shows that have tickets available, Collective Soul, July 21st, Josh Turner, July 28th, Uh, Counting Crows, some general admission seats available uh, for the show August 25th, Foreigner, October 6th, limited tickets available there, again, and uh, tickets are available also for Aaron Lewis at uh, the Showplace Theater on November 9th. So, Get those tickets right now online, riverwind.com, and at the box office outside the Showplace Theater. Quick break, come back. Final sports notes, couple texts on the way right here. We're getting locked in at 2 o'clock. One more segment for us here on Steelman and Thune on the ref. All right, one short segment here. Mike, Steely, Parker, Thune, going to get locked in at the top of the hour at 2 o'clock. Today's been a weird day. Feel like the show's been good. What do you think? Feel like I mean, show's I think I—I so.
1: I, I might be biased, but okay. I think we've had I an excellent program.
0: Good. Today. I need your honest assessment because I feel like I've been kind of all over the place. It's been really weird. It's kind of like I feel dizzy. I feel like my brain's not quite working. It's a Monday, Steely. That's just—I I think it's an old thing too, though, which is kind of frightening. Uh, I don't have many days like this, but occasionally they pop up where it's like. It's just like i i've described it i'm on dial-up internet today so i apologize uh it's been very strange but you sir are a good judge of whether the show's been good or not so i'll take your word for it and i hope the uh, folks out there on the text line feel that but man i've just felt very bizarre strange really strange and i don't do any kind of drugs or medication like that i'm just saying I think it's just the aging process. Hey, by the way, can you pull up our current Mule Shoe playlist, 7-10 current oh, Mule Shoe playlist? Because these are the uh, three official songs we have on the current Mule Shoe playlist. I think we need to make this a uh, a joint effort on Spotify, just the uh, Mule Shoe. But these are the three songs we have on the current Mule Shoe oh, playlist. It th- is it just three? I thought it was four. I think it's three right now. Okay, here let's we check. go. Here's what we have. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the Current Mule Shoe Playlist. Nazareth, Hair of the Dog. Now you're messing with us. Mm-hmm. And then we have Charlie Pride with the Snakes Crawled Nights, which is my favorite of those three. And then we have Everything About You by Ugly Kid Joe. Which which tune do you prefer on that list? So we
1: forgot to add It Never Rains in Southern California, too. Yes. yes sure. yeah. throw in
0: some Albert Hammond. And yes, we do. We need that and a few others. So we're building that playlist. We're building a new facility for Mule show. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. Captain Willard says, you're good, Mike, and you asked the question I want as well. Well, thank you, Captain. Captain Willard. Willard was a movie about an art, about a rat, wasn't it? No, Ben was the rat. Willard, there was an old version of the movie Willard, and there was a newer movie version of Willard, which I believe had Crispin Glover. Willard was the dude who worked in the office, and he befriended a rat in the office. That's all I get to say about that and the rat. Very strange. But Michael Jackson did, of course, the song for Ben, the rat. That was a song about a rat. When you're doing a love song for a rat, you might be, well, Michael Jackson. Anyway. okay, Apocalypse now reference. there you go, Captain. I'm liking it. Okay, 4056513439. Let's get is Steely's mind entering the transfer portal? It feels like it sometimes. I'm like, who is it? Who is the dude who said, I'm going to the portal and then I'm back. <laughs> Aaron Parks. Aaron Parks. Yeah, I was Aaron Parks today. I was in the portal for a while, and hey everybody, we're doing radio. Lion eyes by the Eagles. Very nice. I like that. On the uh, facilities versus NIL conversation,
1: which no doubt we will talk more about in the days ahead. A listener in the 918 says, if the kids are asking about NIL and not facilities, which they are, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You got to go with NIL.
0: Okay. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to know before uh, we finish up your visit conversation here? Um are you guys getting a water slide and a foosball table? Well, actually, we were thinking about talking about the million dollars we have here for you. <laughs> but if you'd rather have the foosball table and the water slide, sure. We could talk about that. How real is a threat at Mizzou? How real a threat is Mizzou for Wynary? Uh, that 405er wants to know very badly. Not buying that at all.
1: There was a time. There was a time where Mizzou was a player for Williams and Winery, So you're there saying certainly was.
0: that's the chorus of Cotton Eye Joe? Boat.
1: Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. Okay. But, I mean, he, he ov would there. Sure, he's been there a zillion times, but it's Mizzou. That staff might have – I mean, th- th- here's what it amounts to. That staff is either getting fired midseason or fired after the season. That's really what it boils down to at this point. And they're not recruiting well right now when you look at their class. They're not. All
0: right, we got to get out of here. Want to thank our friends at the One and Only Riverwind Casino. New shows announced today for the Showplace Theater. Check them out online at riverwind.com. More entertainment options than any other place in the metro area at Riverwind Casino. Thanks to Dr. Bellardo and the Advanced Laser Center, the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center of Oklahoma. They'll do great work for you. Have a great Monday.